everything that you do, and we know that everything that you do is wonderful and perfect, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for our our service this morning, Heavenly Father. And we ask you, Lord God, continue, Lord God, to bless our pastor, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for the word that you have given her, Lord God. And we thank you for your anointing upon her, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that you fill her mouth, Lord God, when she opens it, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord God, that your word would not return to you, Lord. Heavenly Father, it won't fall on no deaf ears this morning, Heavenly Father. But your word will accomplish everything, Lord God, that is sent us to Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, for all of our brothers and our sisters this morning, Lord God. Reverend Robert, we thank you for Reverend Robertson, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord yeah. God, the bringer, Lord God, and brother, Lord, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God. For all those others, Lord God, that may come, Heavenly Father, Lord God, and we ask you, Lord God, continue to bless each and every one, Lord God. Continue to watch over us, Lord God. Continue to give us guidance, direction, Lord God, and speak to us. Let your will be done, Heavenly Father, and use us in a way that you see fit for your glory and honor, Lord God, to help others and to win souls for Christ, Heavenly Father, however you see fit, Heavenly Father. And we praise you and we glorify your holy name, Lord God. And we first come, we first seek your kingdom and your righteousness, and your word said all things are added unto us, Heavenly Father. And Heavenly Father, we give our all in all to you, Heavenly Father. And ask you, Lord God, to have your way, and we worship you, Lord God. We honor you, and we adore you, and we magnify your holy name, Lord God. And we lift up every member of the bread of life this morning, Heavenly Father. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that wherever they are, Lord God, we pray that they will join, join this meeting, Lord God. If not, we pray, Lord God, that they will just have a mind that stayed on you, Lord God, and always, Lord God, be prayerful, Lord God, and always, Lord God, be in your word, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, for them this morning, Heavenly Father. And we thank you for every family, Lord God, that's represented here this morning. We thank you for every family that's represented the bread of life, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, to bless our families, Lord God. Keep them in perfect health and in perfect peace, Heavenly Father. And we thank you, Lord God, this morning that someone in this land, Lord God, will be saved today, Heavenly Father. That someone in this land, Lord God, will come to Christ, Heavenly Father. That someone will minister to them, Lord God. That somehow, Lord God, that they will receive the word this morning, Heavenly Father. And that you will touch them where they are this morning, Heavenly Father. And that people, Lord God, all over this land, Lord God, that multitudes of people in this land, Lord God, will be coming to Christ, Heavenly Father, Lord God. For you are our God, and beside you there's no other, Heavenly Father. And we need you in our lives, Heavenly Father. And we bind up the devil right now in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind up the attack of the enemy right now against the bread of life, church family, Lord God, against uh, this this land, Heavenly Father. And we bind up the enemy right now. We cast him back to to the, uh, the uh, hell where he belongs, Heavenly Father, Lord God. And we thank you, Lord Jesus. The greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, Lord God. And the enemy is already defeated, Heavenly Father. He will not be victorious over us, Lord God, because we are more than conquerors through him who loves us, Lord God. And we can't do all things through Christ who strengthens us, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, we believe in your report, Heavenly Father. And we will not we will not listen to the lies of the enemy, Heavenly Father. And we bind up the enemy up out of our homes and out of our, out of our jobs and out of our lives, Heavenly Father. We just bind him up, Lord God. We bind up every in the name of Jesus Christ and Satan you will flee in Jesus name because we resist you because the devil he will flee and we pray Heavenly Father he's fleeing right now because we do resist him with everything we got and the blood of Jesus against you right now the blood of Jesus against the enemy right now and I thank you Lord Jesus this evening and thank you this morning Heavenly Father and thank you for all that you do Lord God and we praise your holy name, Lord God. And we yeah. pray that the Holy Spirit will have his way this morning, Lord God. And yeah. thank you for everything that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. Yes. So this is the confidence that we have in you, Lord. We ask anything according to your will. You hear us, and if we know that you hear us, we know that we have the petitions that we deserve you. So we give you praise and glory in advance for everything that will transpire this morning. And we thank you, Lord, in advance because we believe we received everything that we've asked you for. In Jesus' name, 
and everyone said, Amen. 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 Oh, my God. So, this morning, uh, uh, I want to go back to that Luke chapter 4, verse 18. And uh, while it's on my mind, I need to uh, uh, ask you, Deacon Don, to do me a favor and let Lloyd have that book on ministry. And I'm ordering a couple of more because I think I'm going to need some more. And then I'll give you yours, give you a new one when I get the order back. Is that okay? Yeah, that's okay. Okay, because I want him to get started because I want him to uh, begin to develop a sermon for probably the end of May or the 1st of uh, June. So I want him to read that book, though. I think it's really important that he have that under his belt before I get him up because uh, it helps people to understand what ministry really is and and all of the things that I would teach if I had a class. So, um, if you would do that for me. And uh, so, um, I, I want to go back to Luke chapter 4 and starting at verse 18 again this morning uh, because I didn't ever get where I was supposed to go last, uh, last Sunday. I was busy uh, trying to... Uh, trying to uh, tell you about my testimony, but I really want to talk about that scripture because I know that uh, that scripture is important to everyone that is uh, a part of this service. You know, God has given me favor. I have great favor with him to have all of these people cross my path who are leaders most times we don't get a lot of leaders in our congregations, and I have been blessed to be uh, have all of these people who come to bread of life that they are leaders, and God begins to develop them for whatever it is He has planned for him, planned for them, him and her. <laughs> so. I uh, have to always remember that because I'm just uh, exceedingly abundantly blessed. And there is a scripture that God used to give me all the time, and I intended to look it up before uh, today, but I didn't. I didn't get it. But it prophesied to me this scripture that God would give me children that I did not give birth to. And when I first had him give me that scripture, I was like, what in the world? I know that answer. But yes, he has. He has given me children that I did not give birth to. I have spiritual children, and many of them are leaders. And so I want to always give you all as much information as possible to help you in developing your leadership skills for the Lord. And uh, I'm writing that book. Uh, Reverend T is, is my editor, and we're meeting on a regular basis about this book. And she really uh, believes that this book is going to be a bestseller to help uh, women in the ministry. But it's not only going to help women, it's going to help ministers in general. Because I think sometimes we think we're the only one that has ever been through whatever it is. And of course, that's not true. But anyway, we're looking at that fourth chapter of Luke, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised. And so with that, I want to pray, Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Father God, for your people. And Lord God, we just ask you right now to anoint the ears of the hearers. Allow them, Father God, to hear the spirit, uh, your spirit, uh, hear your, your voice, Lord, and that they would uh, 
be anointed to hear your voice because we need to hear, Father God. You said, whoever has an ear, let him hear. And so I thank you for the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart being acceptable in your sight, Lord God. And I thank you, Father God, that whatever I do will bring glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. And so... Uh, we look at this scripture again. <laughs> and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So last week I showed you the scripture in Isaiah 61. And then I showed you the scripture in Luke chapter 4, 18. And I'm going to focus on Luke chapter 4, 18 this morning. And we're going to talk about the part of this scripture that talks about restoring sight to the blind. Because a part of that is that he will heal the brokenhearted and he will preach deliverance to the captives and recovering sight to the blind to set at liberty those that are bruised. And that was exactly what Jesus did. And if you read the whole chapter there, you're going to know that Jesus came to the synagogue on that morning. And when he stood up and read that, when he finished reading that, that the 18th verse, he left the congregation. But he left that message with them. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised. And so to restore the sight to a blind person is to open for him or her a whole new world, many new worlds, and new avenues of instruction and usefulness and delight. And I certainly admire my pastor and brother, uh, Pastor Albert Macklin, because he started out sighted. And that, of course, is a blessing that he had once had sight. But he is so sensitive to spiritual things, but also he is very sensitive to everything that is going on around him. I remember one time we were in a meeting. This is some years ago when he had first uh, been uh, called to uh, be the pastor of New Sweet Home. And we had this meeting about a supermarket. And uh, so something was going on at the table. The table was uh, full of people, Reverend Purdy and some of the other pastors, but also some white people. And uh, something was going on. Somebody did something. And we did not uh, say what was going on. We just got really quiet and we do what excited people do. We started smiling amongst ourselves and shaking our heads and forgetting that this man doesn't have physical sight. And so he said all of a sudden, all right, y'all, what's going on? Just like he could see because he is so sensitive to those things that are going on around him. And of course, the other faculties kick in when one is deficient, the other faculties that we have kick in. God, you know, in the word of God in the Psalm, I think it's Psalms 139, where God says that, uh, that David said to God, we are wonderfully and marvelously made, and we are. And when one part of us doesn't work, another part can uh, substitute. And I use that because my granddaughter, uh, Kamaria, Kamaria, was born with a defective liver. And at six months old, we had to uh, we prayed for God to give her, to heal her liver. And at six months old, God gave her another liver. And uh, you, uh, the liver is an interesting organ because you don't have to have the whole thing. If you have some parts of it, it will grow the rest of it. And of course, in her case, the liver was a little bit larger than her little body could receive. So they trimmed it and made it fit, but today 
Uh, she is an adult in, in a community college, and she is perfectly well because that liver has grown to fit her body. And uh, so <laughs> we are just wonderfully, marvelously made, and God is the one that does that. So we want to go back to restore the sight to, to the blind. So uh, when uh, we see this, we look at three types of blindness. And the first, of course, is physical blindness. When we hear about blindness, we think about people not able to see in the natural. And so the Lions Club, that's a service club, uh, <clears throat> that has, uh, they uh, encourage members to donate their old glasses uh, to the club. And uh, then uh, they uh, donate those glasses uh, to those that can't afford to buy glasses. And of course, I have corrected vision. And uh, I'm so thankful that I have uh, these glasses because uh, as I grow older, my sight uh, change. Yeah. And so small print is not always easy to read if I didn't have my glasses. And my distance has changed, so I really need these glasses. And now uh, it's a little easier for people to get glasses because if they have Medi-Cal, they can get glasses now. But there was a time when we had children, uh, when I was uh, at Woodside High School, we had students who could not uh, afford to buy glasses, and we would refer them to the Lions Club, and uh, they would get glasses for these children. So we see these three major types of blindness. So we're looking at the natural blindness, and... Uh, Many people have been able to at least uh, recover their physical eyesight because of the activities of Alliance Club. So then we look at mental blindness. Mental blindness. How do we look at, how do we describe that? There is none so blind as those who will not see. Some mentally blind because of a closed mind or because of prejudice. Some mentally blind because they never open their eyes to see the world about them. And we just shut things out. And we can just close our eyes to some things. And I know that that's something that we do to protect ourselves in our mind. We think if we ignore the situation, it will go away but it will not go away and it gets bigger and bigger. So we, God is a wonderful God because he'll put that thing on your mind and everywhere you turn, it'll be like you got your hand in front of your face. That thing is right there in your face and it will stay into your face, stay in your face until you do something about it. Now that's what God does for us. Because he loves us. And whatever is hindering us, he wants us to get rid of that. And you've heard me testify. How this woman that was in our mission circle when I was in the Baptist church and how all of us were blinded by this, this uh, demonic spirit, I call it what it is now. And uh, she was a user and uh, she was uh, a manipulator and none of us could see that. Well, when God called me to ministry, he began to open my eyes and say to me, you need to move away from that person. She is not going to be good for your ministry. She is not going to be good. She hasn't been good. And you need to get away from her. Get her out of your life. Well, I didn't want to do that because she was my friend and blah, blah, blah. But you see, God will keep on, my mentor told me this, and I never forgot it, God will keep on teaching you the lesson uh, until you, you keep, she said he would keep on uh, giving you the lesson until you get it, until you understand it. What that scripture says is true. 
faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and hearing and hearing and hearing. And so he'll keep that thing in your face until you do something about it. So we're talking about mental blindness. So when we close our mind to what God is showing us or because we don't want to see it. And oftentimes that's the truth with uh, our children. And uh, of course, I've been through this. You see, I'm on great grands now. When you get to great grands, you don't have much to say about anything except to, to play with the children. But when I was a parent, I had a lot to say. And then I had a lot to say about my grandchildren, especially my daughter's children, because she raised those children mostly by herself. And so I was involved in that. And I had a lot to say, and God actually put Melissa in my arms in the delivery room, so he gave her to me right out of the womb. But what we have to understand is we can't close our eyes to our children's shortcomings, because they are human, and they are human just like us. And no matter how well we think we raise them, when they're adults, they do what they want. But we can't shut our eyes to that. And I'm not going to deal with that a lot today. I think I dealt with it the last time we were, uh, last time I preached. So I'm not going to deal with that uh, so much today. But I'm trying to get us to see how we can ignore what we want to ignore. And we do it for others and we do it for ourselves. We know we have a problem. And we will not own up to that problem. We want to say it's somebody else's fault. And I always tell this story about Regina. When Regina was a little girl, if she knocked something down or she broke a dish or whatever she did, she said that thing fell and broke. She never would say I dropped it and it broke or I knocked it down. She said it fell. It fell because you did something to it. And you see, we have to understand. We have to own up to our shortcomings with God because God knows our heart. He is not ignorant to Satan's devices, and he doesn't want us to be ignorant to Satan's devices. And that's one of the things that Satan does. He tries to make us believe that we're what he says we are instead of what God says we are. So we have to understand that we need to have the Holy Spirit. And this is a prayer that I pray, and I think I've sent you all prayers that say something similar. Holy Spirit, shine the light on my shortcoming. <laughs> okay, Satan, you're not going to shut me down. Shine the light on my shortcoming. Don't let me be deceived about things that will hinder me from being able to do the work of the Lord, things that will hinder me from hearing God's voice, things that will, <coughs> I find you Satan, I'm going to tell it anyway, hinder me from being what God wants me to do. And so we have to learn that we have to uh, take care of that mental blindness and not allow it to interfere with what God has called us to do. So then we have spiritual blindness. And sometimes you all will hear me pray. And I saw this in this book that I have by uh, the gentleman that, <clears throat> that I, uh, he's, uh, he's a prophet, uh, Earhart. And uh, he um, has in one of the, those books that I have an affirmation about spiritual blindness about spiritual cataracts and when cataracts you get cataracts it blurs your vision you can't see as well because that cataract begins to cover the part of your eye that will that gives vision and so in that book he talks about being uh, healed of spiritual cataracts, spiritual blindness. You know, Jesus dealt repeatedly with this problem of spiritual blindness. He said that only the pure in heart would really seek God and that divided loyalty makes it impossible for anyone to see clearly. You have got to be single-minded and double-minded. If you go back into the book of James, uh, Brother James talks about being double-minded. 
And he says, a double-minded man, that means a human, not just a male, but female too. A double-minded man cannot have faith. You can't because you just waver back and forth. Double-mindedness, spiritual blindness, that all goes together. And so we have to know that he said, blessed are the pure in heart. That's what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the pure in heart, but they shall see God. You got to get your heart clean. I don't care who you are or how much, how much God has called you to do anything. You got to get your heart right. And if your heart's not right, God can't use you because you got a double mind and you're spiritually blind and you got all this stuff going on. And that's why he had to get me away from that um, that person that was causing me to be a puppet. She had about five or six of us women, and she was just pulling our strings. And God said, you can't serve me and serve her too. And we have to be careful about that because we make certain things our idol. And then we have this thing, this secret stuff. And, of course, they talk a lot about secret stuff. Uh, six secrets in recovery in 12 steps. That's where I first heard that term and I began to study it out. And then I have a book by a man named John Bradshaw. And I think he passed away here lately. But he was a Christian psychologist and he was in drug and alcohol recovery. And he wrote a book on six secrets. And I read that book and I tell you, I thought he had lived with me and my family because everything he was talking about, I knew something about. We love those six secrets. We like to keep them and we like to pretend like we we just, you know, oh, I'm just this and that and I am just a mess. And that's what we need to say to the Lord. I am a mess, Lord. Can you help me? <laughs> that's what David said. He used to know Isaiah, the one that David said it too, but Isaiah says it. If you go back there to Isaiah, I believe it's the sixth chapter again, where it says, In the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Who was Uzziah? Uzziah was his uncle, Isaiah's uncle, and he just loved Isaiah, uh, Uzziah so much. So he couldn't see God. In fact, Uzziah was his God. How many gods do we have in our life? How many people do we put up on a pedestal for them to fall off? And then when they fall off, we get mad at them. But, you know, we just uh, got these gods. And that was how God helped me when I, I stopped smoking cigarettes. Did I realize that cigarettes were a god in my life? No, I didn't. But God allowed B.B. Patton. Who, who, who founded uh, Patton Bible College. She used to come on the radio at 12 o'clock on KFAX. And I'm driving down the street, going downtown San Jose. I had just uh, smoked my last cigarette that morning, I said, because I had asked God to help me get rid of the cigarettes because I thought that was holding me up from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was so hungry for God's gifts until I was willing to sacrifice anything I had to to have what God had, God's gifts. And so I had smoked that last cigarette on the way to work that morning. And so normally I would have gotten in my car, lit up another cigarette, and went on to downtown San Jose or wherever to get my lunch. But this particular day that that radio program came on, and B.B. Patton was preaching about this very scripture on the, in the day when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. And she said, and the scripture says, and he was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, talking about God. But then she went on to say, a lot of us have Uzziahs in our life. We have idols in our lives. We have these things that we hold on to that are no good for us. And you know, you all that are in recovery, you got rid of that idol, that drug, that alcohol that was holding you up, keeping you from being what God wanted you to be. 
But then, you know, we have a tendency, you know, I'm, I haven't had liquor in uh, many, many years because I come from an alcoholic family. But do you know I have those characteristics that I'm compulsive, you know, and if I have one of one thing, I'll go get two or three more in a different color. All of that is behavior that I inherited from my alcoholic family. And if I'm not careful, I'll have some idols. We have that food ministry. And God, I got so into that food ministry and God said, you have to stop. I said, but Lord, people need to, he said, stop it. And when I looked at it, I was making a God out of that food ministry. Nobody to help me, I'll do it all by myself. Nobody wants to do this, I'll do it all by myself. So he said, no, you just won't do it at all. And that's here recently, since I've been a preacher, since I've been in ministry for uh, 40 years, you see? So what I'm telling you is, is that we all can have some idol gods in our life. And that was what was going on with Isaiah. And God could not use Isaiah the way he wanted to unless he got rid of that idol. And so he showed Isaiah that after that man died, that uncle you so love so much, that man you love so much, that woman you love so much, whatever it is that you love, that car that you love so much, that money that you love so much, <laughs> if you get rid of some of that, don't get rid of all your money, y'all, and don't go out there and tell folks I told you to get rid of your money, because, you know, I just asked you to do what the Bible says. That's tithe. I don't ask you for your money. But I'm telling you, we can make those things a God. And when we do... We can't hear from God. We can only see that thing. That thing is in front of our face. That's like your hand in front of your face. But just see that. Oh, Lord, you just love it. And oh, my goodness, here it comes. And you got to stop it. That's what God says. And so that spiritual blindness is a uh, booger. <laughs> Pastor Matt, Robert Matt, let's see Here's a booger. So in the... Uh, John, First uh, John chapter 2 and 11, it said, John said that hatred causes one to dwell in darkness of spiritual blindness, in the darkness of spiritual blindness. Now, hatred, I don't even have time to get into the teaching that we need to have on unforgiveness. Unforgiveness and hatred those are not in our vocabulary as believers. It should not be. And if it is, we ask God to deliver us. So what is the nature and results of spiritual blindness? Unawareness. If you never look through a microscope, you probably don't know much about what is small. Because that's the only way you can know that is if you have a microscope. So if you never look through a telescope, you're unaware of what is present in the universe. Now, we did take our kids up to uh, San Francisco, and we did look through those uh, uh, <laughs> telescopes up there that they have in the, uh, in the museum, and you look up in the sky, and then you get a really clear picture about the medias and the stars and that kind of stuff. If you've never seen an X-ray picture, then you can't understand uh what's on the inside of a person. And I had a difficult time when they first started doing the, uh, the, the sonograms for these babies, these embryos and these unborn babies. I had a terrible time trying to read that and see the baby. And finally, God helped me to see that. And now they do them in color, so it's a little easier to see. Uh, if you never made use of the eye of the soul, then you're blind to the spiritual reality in our world. If you have never uh, used the eye of the soul, and our soulish realm is our mind, will, and emotions. So we're talking about using those to see uh, the reality in the world. And when God opens your eyes, 
I don't know if you all have had it yet, but when you have that uh, spiritual awakening, when you have that uh, reading the scripture and the scripture becomes rhema, it became, becomes real, it becomes rhema word to you. And all of a sudden you say, oh, that's what that means. And God gives you an analogy that tells you, oh, that's what that means. Then your spiritual eyes are being opened. Your spiritual eyes are being opened then. But sometimes we close our eyes. And then sometimes the picture is distorted. You know, Jesus made a pace uh, out of mud and spit. I was in, uh, went to a seminar in Oklahoma, and there was this African preacher there, and he had an altar call. And this man came up in up there in the altar call, and that preacher spit in his face. I cringe. Don't y'all ever do that, because you don't know what's going to happen when you spit in somebody's face. So I say, it better be the Lord, because if it ain't <laughs> They're going to break up the service here because he spit in that man's face and then he took the spit and rubbed it on his eye. But praise God, it was God because the man could see. But what I'm saying is, is that we can, before uh, Jesus, when he spit in that, made that paste out of spit and mud and put on that man's eyes and he asked him, what did he see? He said, I see men like trees. And Jesus said to him, you need another touch. And so he laid hands on him again, and then his eyes were open. And so we can have distortion. We can not see clearly. We can, uh, we can't really make out what it is. We can see a blur, but we can't make out what it is. And so we need corrective vision. And so we ask them, we have to ask God, to give us another touch. And uh, when you ask God to give you another touch, he is more than happy to accommodate you because he wants you to see clearly. He wants you to see clearly in the spirit. He does not want you walking around with blinders on and not being able to understand what's going on. Because if you don't understand what's going on, then you're going to miss God and the devil is going to fool you real good. So then we have this darkness, of course. Darkness is in us. And it's been in us since we came into this world because we are all descendants of Adam and Eve. And when Eve, Adam and Eve fell in the garden, we all were affected by that fall. And we to be exposed to darkness. So the dark is the world of a blind man. So uh, to dwell in continuous darkness is the outcome uh, that none of us want to. I heard my mother pray many a day. She said, Lord, it was her prayer. Please keep me alive until my children are adults. And she said, and please uh, keep me in my right mind and don't let me go blind. I heard her pray that a many a day. But to live in eternal darkness is far worse uh, because if you're living in eternal darkness, that means that you don't know Christ. That means that you are not saved. That means that you have no clue about anything but just Satan and his lies. So Christ wants us to open our eyes. He wants us to open our eyes and help us to see that God is a God of love. He's a God of grace and mercy. He wants us to open our eyes and help us to see dead, the deadly nature of sin. He wants us to open our eyes and help, uh, and help to see that the abundant life is a life of unselfish, devoted giving of self for the welfare of others. He wants us to open our eyes and help us to see the need of the unsaved world for the good news of Jesus Christ. And we need to see that, y'all. We need to see people walking around. You know, sometimes I get so angry. There's a man up there on the parking lot at Target the other day, where Target is there in that 101, Ravens is 101. 
and he was either crazy, real, mentally ill, or he was drunk or loaded or whatever. And he was digging in the garbage can, just as nasty and dirty as he could be. And every time they had put some uh, soda bottles and liquor bottles in that garbage can, every time he did a bottle, he'd throw it out on the parking lot to break. That meant somebody was going to drive over that glass and cut their tires. And, you know, before I knew it, I took it over. I said, hey, hey, you stop that. He looked at me and mumbled something, but he, I said, I'm going to call the police on you. <laughs> he walked off. He got quiet, and he walked off. And hopefully he didn't do that anymore. But then I said, Lord, he needs the deliverance. He needs to be saved. Now, he wasn't going to let me witness Jesus Christ to him. He was whatever was going on with him. He was full of the devil. But what happened was, because of that, <laughs> I, I was able to pray. And that's what we have to do sometimes. We can't reach that person, but we can show up pray for them. They can't keep us from praying for them. And we need to pray that somebody will get to them and share Christ with them so that their eyes can be open. And so that they can be what God uh, called them to be and not be out there being used by the devil. So God wants us uh, to open our eyes and he wants to help us see the spiritual resources that are available to those who walk by faith and who deliver a life of loving obedience. And if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, Eyes have not seen nor ears heard, neither has entered the heart of men the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Some have said that these are blessings and joys of heaven. But if you take a closer look, it will show us that it refers to the present experience uh, of those who are following Christ and who are sensitive to the leadership and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Christ continues to open the eyes of them who will let him. And you know what? That's why I refer you all so much to the Holy Spirit. Because he is our teacher. He is our guide. He is our friend. He is the one that comes alongside to help us. And I refer you to the Holy Spirit because you can't depend on me being available when you need help. <clears throat> but the Holy Spirit is there to help us. He is the one that comes alongside to help us. He is the one that Jesus said, I am imperative that I go, but I will send you a comforter. He is our comforter. And we need to seek him. We need to seek the word of God. And we ask Holy Spirit, teach us. Holy Spirit, show us. Holy Spirit, help us. Holy Spirit. You know, when I was a, when I had children at home, little children, you know, they can call you all day long. Mama, 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 mama. Mama, do this. Mama, I need this. Mama, mama, mama. So we need to be like that with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, what shall I do? Because that's what God sent the Holy Spirit for us, to have him to help us, because we still aren't out of the woods. We still are human beings, and we still forget that we need to see spiritually, and we still forget we need to get rid of those idols, those desires in our lives. And so we need the Holy Spirit. So the Apostle Paul was grieved over the fact that many were blind to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And the cause of spiritual blindness was they were either neglecting or refusing to put their face and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, we've done that. We say we've done that. But, you know, we forget about Jesus. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do now? We forget about the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, I don't know what. Well, it's because you don't ask. The Bible says that if you ask, you can see. And that you have not because you ask not. That's what Brother James says in 
the book of James. So Satan does a lot of evil. But probably the worst of the evils that he does is blindfolding the minds of God's people so that he can prevent us from allowing the light of the glorious gospel of Christ to shine in us that we might receive salvation. And then after we receive it, if we're not careful, he began to lie to us and tell us that we're not saved. And I told you about how Vicky's uh, sister told her she hadn't done all the things that the Pentecostals do so she wasn't saved, which was not true, but bless the missionary's heart, she was ignorant to Satan's devices, and she allowed herself to show that. So now I notice. Uh, Bishop Macklin and uh, Pastor Albert and those Pentecostals that I have exposure to now give an altar call. And they not only give an altar call, but they lead people in a sinner's prayer. And so that was something that they didn't do in the early Pentecost. When I was a, a girl, we'd go over to the Pentecostal church. See, I was raised as a church girl. So we were in the Baptist church, but in like Sunday evening, we go over after the Bible training, uh, Baptist training unit, we would go over to the Pentecostal church because they carry half the night. So we could go over there and we'd sit in the back and they'd call all of them young people of theirs up there to the altar and they'd beat them on the back and say, uh, be loose and give up and all of that. And they'd be foaming at the mouth. And I said to myself, Lord, I don't never want to be at that because I don't ever want to be foaming at the mouth. But you see, they were purging those folks of them demons. But we found out later on through the teaching of the word that if you ask, they wanted them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you ask, the scripture says that if you ask for the Holy Spirit, God will give him to you. If you ask to be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, he will do that. And I'm looking at Deacon Don's face right now, and I could tell you, I saw that scripture come to pass. We went to a Morris Cirillo meeting over there in the East Bay, and this man went up in the altar call, and, and, and that man didn't touch nobody. He just led him in the prayer and prayed for him, and the Deacon Don received the baptism of the Holy Spirit right away. You see, because his heart was ready for that. He had gotten rid of all of those Uzziahs, and he was able to receive. So I'm not saying if you don't have the evidence of uh, the infilling with the speaking of other tongues that you don't have a pure heart. You may not have asked for it, and some people don't want it, but want him, I should say, because the Holy Spirit is a him, not a it. I need to say that, too. So here I'm going to wind this up now, y'all. Uh, people are blind to the lostness of their own souls. People are blind to the emptiness of life without God. People are blind for the hopelessness of self-effort to redeem them. People are blinded to the brevity of life and to the length of eternity. People are blind to their need for a new life and grace to live for God and others. So those are the areas where we really need God to open up our eyes. And all we have to do is ask him to open our eyes. Open my eyes, Lord. There was a chorus we used to say, open my eyes, Lord, that I might see Jesus. Open my eyes, Lord. Holy Spirit, show me. Show me. Show me, Holy Spirit. Show me. Help me, Holy Spirit. Guide me, Holy Spirit. That old hymn, guide me, oh, thy great Jehovah. Pilgrim in this barren land. Y'all don't know nothing about that hymn, honey, but I sang that a many a day, and it's meaningful to me. Guide me, Lord. I need your guidance. And so people are blind to the wonders of God's love and to the greatness of salvation that he offers to them through Jesus Christ. And the worst blindness you can ever know is inward blindness, spiritual blindness. 
moral blindness. That's the worst blindness you can ever know. And through the teaching of the gospel, God wants to open our eyes to the wonders of his grace. Through those live uh, demonstrations in the word of God to help us to know that if God did it to those saints in the Bible, he'll do it for us. It's the same God. He changes not. That's what the scripture says, that God is immutable. He changes not. Now, he may tell you something different about something, but he doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he opens our eyes to a truly good life. If you look at your life now and look at what it was before, those of you that are saved, and I believe everybody on this line is saved, you know there's a difference. You know that. I've heard y'all testify uh, in the in the alphabet meetings and all about your recovery and that, but you know your life has changed because of your knowledge and your acceptance of Jesus Christ and being in the in the family of God. And so I'm gonna stop now because I know that I've been going on for quite a while. But I need y'all to say this with me this morning. I want you to bow your head or however, whatever your prayer posture is, because I have learned that you can bow your head or keep your eyes open, whatever you want to do, if that's your prayer posture, God will hear you. But I just want you to say this uh, this morning. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Show me. Show me. My uh, Uzziah. Show me my Uzziah. Show me my. Show me my Uzziah. And help me to be delivered from them. And help, help me to be delivered from them. And guide me, Holy Spirit. And guide me, Holy Spirit. In the way that God would have me to go. In the way, in the way that God would have me to go. Help me, Holy Spirit, to make the right decisions. Help me, Holy Spirit, to make the right decisions. Help me, Holy Spirit, to know the people that God would have me uh, be friends. Help me, Help me, Holy Spirit, to know people that God would have me to be friends. And help me, Holy Spirit, to be a witness to those that don't know you and the pardon of their sins. And help me, Holy Spirit, to be a witness to those who don't know the pardon of their sins. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give God a hand clap wherever you are. Just clap your hands. God, I think that you had a raise your hand, so clap your hands. <laughs> Praise the Lord, John. Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thank God for y'all. You know, you've been faithful, and I thank God, and I finally had sense enough to record. So from now on, I'm going to try to record whoever's preaching. I'm going to try to record.